Tonight we watched Jupiter Ascending, the story of a dog man and a lady who loved him. Spoiler alert, they fall in love. <laughs> and she controls bees. <laughs> everyone and welcome to the flop house i'm dan mccoy hey guys it's me Stuart, that guy from the flop house <laughs> and your last name wellington <laughs> and it's me elliot kalen bon vivant man about town star of stage screen and screen stage <laughs> Stuart, i enjoyed that you identified yourself from the thing that they're listening to right now you might remember me from such podcasts as this one, I, I which you downloaded. Some, channeled some Troy McClure there. Welcome to the Flophouse. I'm Stuart Wellington, parentheses, the Flophouse. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have that many credits, guys. <laughs> that's well, what, yeah, that's how, how they list how you them in buy, backstage. How are you going to buy stuff at the Star Wars <laughs> store? <laughs> You're all out of credits. Modest space credits? I don't know. Yeah, I'll, I'll have to I don't, melt a hundred people down into a brick of space juice. Yeah, to, to have your uh, youth liquid to exchange for moon bucks. Mm-hmm. Well, thanks for the for primer on the exchange rates in space. Damn, for the yeah. battery emulsion or whatever they call it. <laughs> battery emulsion. <laughs> this will all make sense later, folks. Dan, explain what this podcast does. Uh, this podcast it comes out of your music player. Functionally, what it does is we talk about a bad movie. <laughs> <laughs> you well, functionally, what it does is gives you something to listen to while you're cleaning your house. Yeah. Sure. Uh, or filing a tax return. Yeah. On the subway. Uh, jogging. Don't file a tax return on the subway. That's or sensitive information. If you have a nonsense fetish and you need something yeah, to you're, masturbate you're jerking to. It. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> the thing is, I was thinking about the same thing, Elliot. <laughs> so we're brothers in stupid perversion. In, yeah. <laughs> stupid perversion would be a pretty funny movie. <laughs> it's like a dumb and dumber porno. Yeah. There's a guy who's like real like really into clown shoes. <laughs> He's got a clown shoe. Oh, they're fetish. just dumb perversions. Yeah. Not clowns, just the shoes, please. I guess that's better than just dumb guys who are perfect. Because I think a lot of the internet's filled with those yeah. guys. I'm really into sea anemones that have been dipped in red paint. <laughs> what is sexy about that? I don't know. Blame my family. It just does it for me. It's just something I'm really into. It's the way I'm wired, I guess. I was a kid, and that was it. <laughs> I was masturbating once when a bat flew through the window. Ever since, I've had to dress up like a bat to get to get off. Sure. Mm. To fight crime and then jerk it over the criminals. I've... <laughs> Per- perverts are a superstitious and cowardly lot. Just just gets my engine going. I also, by the way, get turned on by the soundtrack of Real Steel. <laughs> <laughs> just I just happened to be listening to it once, and it just did it for me. Yeah, it just clicks. Yeah, I just hit puberty at the exact time that Real Steel was released in theaters. <laughs> at the exact time that the soundtrack to Real Steel was released in stores. Speaking of clicks, I get weirdly turned on by the Milo Minara comic strip Click. <laughs> I mean, it is a sex comic strip. Oh, I guess that's not that weird. It's not as weird as getting turned on by, like, Beetle Bailey. <laughs> Although even then, I was, even then. Totally assuming Buxley. you're going to say Buxley. Buxley. Let's say Sorry, getting Fred Bassett. We're getting turned on by High and Lois. <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you, Lois, she really settled into, into yeah. married life. So did High. That's a, that's a McKilf, a mother from comics I'd like to find. <laughs> 
<laughs> I'm, I'm in character right now, guys. That's not. I'm not in character as what? I'm not speaking. Dan as McCoy, the Dan weirdo. McCoy. I'm speaking as a guy who gets off on high and lowest. Oh, I see. Yeah. Oh man, what if uh, what if Lois was uh, with the mom from Marvin? <laughs> oh, oh boy, <laughs> sure. Hot Maybe stuff. Mrs. Lockhorn could get into this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I have a weird thing for uh, Rose from Rose is Rose. Well, Rose is a little girl. Wait, Rose is the girl? I, I thought, thought she was the mom. My, ma, I thought the mom had a different name. Is Rose the mom? Dan, right. explain. Uh, it's I been thought a while. Rose. We was need the to girl. get Slylock Fox mom, on this one. <laughs> I know that every once in a while the mom imagines she's a biker lady. Yeah, so she has a rose pretty. tattoo when that happens. So maybe mm-hmm. she's Rose. Oh, like uh, like the play of the same name. Yeah, Angry Anderson. Is that a Tennessee Williams play? The rose tattoo. You're thinking of a streetcar named Rose from Golden Girls. <laughs> okay. <laughs> So we said this was a movie podcast. It's actually a gibberish podcast. (laughs) Yeah. But eventually we get around to movies. Which we'll do tonight. And the movie is (laughs) Jupiter Ascending, starring Channing Tatum and Lacunas. And Eddie Redmayne. And Sean Bean. And uh, that lady from Orphan Black. And. Bunch of squid guys. <laughs> and. That lady from Luther. And. One of the gargoyles from TV's Gargoyles. <laughs> and. Um, uh, Jupiter? And. <laughs> uh, the guy who plays Howard Stark's butler on uh, Agent, Agent Carter. Carter. I yeah. get it. And. Um, <laughs> fuck. And. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think there's a surprising lack of fucking in this movie. Yeah, and I not that surprising. You're both I guess. forgetting the true star. A lady's of the butt movie. was in it. There is a one scene where you see the lady's butt. The true star of the film, a pair of humble rocket shoes. <laughs> That's right. Which yeah. steal the show by being used in every action scene. Saves the day. Now, would Rocket allow, Crocodile wear these shoes? Rocket Crocodile has a jetpack, but maybe he has shoes as a backup. Rocket no. Crocodile watching this movie would be totally uh, confused as to who to root for. Should it should he be uh, rooting for the flying dinosaur men or yeah. the rocket shoes? I, I gotta yeah. say, if I'm imagining a Rocket Crocodile movie, it's basically this you movie. You are imagining it because only, it doesn't exist. It's basically this movie only not boring. Like if there's a not boring version of this movie. (laughs) Like a lot more nudity and I believe I said that Danzig did the whole score. (laughs) Yeah. uh, So it's like heavy metal cross with this movie which is already kind of heavy metal-y. Well this movie is kind of like it's like here's what this movie is. I think one you got I think maybe it was Stuart compared it to the fifth element Mm -hmm. which it is it's like the fifth this element. Is more like the third element. And very like, <laughs> if someone read a lot of like Larry Niven novels and like Cordwainer Smith's instrumentality of mankind stories and like smashed them all together and like then watched Flash Gordon in the movie and was like, oh, I'll just do that. Yeah. Like it's a, it's a very, it's, this is a, this is a science fiction s- space opera campy movie. Yeah. So uh, let's, let's summarize this whole big old plot of it. Let's, let's summarize, summarize Proust, guys. Uh, well, uh, Proust in his first book wrote about, wrote about, <laughs> Proust in his first book wrote about, wrote about. He wrote, oh, time's up. Remember that yeah. bit? It's the bit Classic. you were just talking about. Mm-hmm. So we, uh, it's, so the it movie get, begins. things get off to a good start with a voiceover. Yeah, because you know a movie's going to be good when a character starts explaining who they are to you in voiceover. We know that Mila Kunis is a, she's a young lady who is the daughter of a Russian woman and an English astronomer. Mm-hmm. One day when her mother was pregnant, <laughs> Out of nowhere, as I guess happens all the time in Russia, a bunch of hoodlums burst into their yeah, apartment. Violent goons. Stole a telescope and a computer and mm-hmm. some money and shot the father. Yeah, and shot, you know, the elder uh, 
Wait, no, hold on. The the butler from the elder Tony Stark. Exactly. The yeah. and the mother And you think he might pull a the crow later on, but he doesn't. He's dead. <laughs> yeah. The original Jarvis is gone. <laughs> yeah. And he so uh she illegal immigrates to America in a shipping container that is left open, I guess so they can get lovely sea breezes on the on the crate ship. Uh and Mila Kunis is born in that shipping crate. Mm-hmm. She returns she they arrive and I guess they have some cousins who live in Chicago and they are It's janitors. like she's born and immediately is a commodity, Elliot. That's what mm-hmm. that represents. Wow. It's yeah. deep. Continue. That's deep. Uh she cut ahead to we are now on an alien planet somewhere that looks like Frank Gehry designed all the buildings. There's blue sand and there's three Evil space siblings, Eddie Redmayne, this lady, mm-hmm. and this other dude. A couple of space Downton Abbeys. Yeah, who basically, their names are Balaam, Callie, and Titus. And they're <laughs> talking about how they, they should inherit this thing. And uh, <laughs> they inherited different planets from their mom. And Balaam got Jupiter, and Titus got something else. <laughs> and uh, they want Earth. Earth is the thing that they want and it's we find out later i'm not gonna i'm not gonna do what the movie does which is like make you know it you know exactly what this movie is about but they wait a long time to confirm it but they own planets and they harvest the planets by killing everybody on it and turning them into like youth fluid yeah which they then bathe in and it makes them so, young and they there's about like Stuart said we're watching there's they have a bunch of lazarus pits now <laughs> let's i mean let's back up and say that this is a movie directed by the wachowski siblings so they're basically uh recycling the humans as batteries idea from their matrix films and let me tell you but humans as uh these, life forces these batteries youth forces are not included. Oh, boy. Oh, no. Wait a minute. So, so there aren't little burger-shaped uh, UFOs? No, Don Amici is not in it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they, were, they are burger-shaped, I guess. Yeah. So, yeah, well, they're not adorable. Do they not have a scene in that where, where one gets trapped between two pieces of bread and a fat yeah. man almost eats it? No, that's, where, that's why I said burger. Uh, it's okay. essential. I haven't seen that movie, I think, since it was in the theaters. They're helping. Uh, this uh, is when the one has gives birth, and it gives birth to like a little, to a little <laughs> baby little robot. One. Yeah. So like they're, <laughs> they're helping uh, a building not get torn down, so they're basically like uh, – Shabadoo, whatever, from Electric sure. Boogaloo 2. They're like, well, we could get uh, flying Break alien into. baby Break burgers, into. Uh, robot <laughs> burger aliens, or I guess we could get a bikini car wash. I don't yeah. know which one would be better. There's but. all these options. You got aliens, that's the top option. You got that's bikini girls. If you can't afford that, then you go to the second best special effect, boobs. Yeah, and then you got breakdancing. And beyond that, I mean, really, you just have like a bake sale. <laughs> That's how you save you a building. if you had an alien bikini break bake sale? <laughs> oh, boy. I would pay upwards of, I don't know, $50? Five hey, man. What if five Rexners? What if schools got all the money they needed, and the Air Force had to have a bikini robot yeah. break bake sale really to buy think. a bomber? If I could only have a bumper sticker that expresses that sentiment, in well, some way. just go to Cafe Press and type in that. <laughs> <laughs> and then pay me for the intellectual property rights, $400, please. Oh, wow. <laughs> okay. It's I an mean, expensive bumper sticker, penny. but it's worth it. Yeah. It's worth it, it. When people think. see it and they go, what? Yeah, all the government. <laughs> what? All the car crashes you're going to be starting as people look at it and then do a double take. Lose control of the wheel. Sure. I think we found our new Max Fun uh, piece of merch, actually. Is that bumper sticker? Yeah. Let's get it going. 
I don't even remember what Jesse Thorne on the horn. Get it going. Jesse Thorne on the horn. That's his new show. (laughs) That's Jesse Thorne tells you about what different animal horns that he's collected during his exotic trips abroad. Uh, During his many years as a safari guy. (laughs) Yeah. This is either from a narwhal or it fell out of a staircase. (laughs) Or it's a French horn. I don't know. (laughs) I shot shot up an orchestra. (laughs) I don't know. I don't really know horns. <laughs> this is either a French horn or a, a, a trombone. I don't know. Now, this is something I got in the deepest wilds of, of Laos. It's candy corn, but I pronounce it candy cahorn. <laughs> so it sounds like horn is in there. <laughs> I'm a crazy person. <laughs> it's me, Jesse Thorne, head of Max Fun. We've libeled him. <laughs> yeah, well, let's. I can prove in court that he, he collects candy corn. Anyway, uh... So, so the movie. So basically, it turns out. So anyway, the, there's this whole universe where uh, humanity is actually a species that's existed for many, many millennia, like a billion years, and they've expanded to all these different planets where they've genetically modified their own genes, I guess, so that they can live on those planets. But the original humans, the OHs, if you will, mm-hmm. uh, they are now super rich. Wealthy aristocrats, except there only seems the to aristocrats. be aristocrats. <laughs> right. Except there only the seems worst. to be They're three of worst. them in the house of Abraxas and uh, or Abrasax. <laughs> Wait, which one is it? It's Abrasax, but I thought they were saying Abraxas like the eye of Abraxas. Yeah, it's like a big brass axe that they have on the wall. Yeah, a brass axe. <laughs> only one. Or it's a bra sax, like it's a saxophone bra. <laughs> Oh, I thought you meant sacks of bras. They took the sexiest instrument and applied it to the sexiest body part, the boob, for the bra sacks. Science has long sought the sexiest body part. It's what's called, (laughs) in our search for the sexiest body part, we narrowed it down to the boob, the butt, and the nose. Now, we're pretty sure we can eliminate the nose. That might be the margin of error. But we need to test it. Also... A little, the little fold around your mouth when you smile. Mm-hmm. How is that? Is that in there? Now, some say that the brain is the sexiest body part. Those people are wrong. Look at that brain. It's gross. <laughs> it's like a big gray mush. How are Who you going to masturbate to that? that? I don't want to. <laughs> now, let's show you a boob. Even alone, solo. Yeah. It's still got the stuff. <laughs> now, imagine a three-boobed person, as you might find in space. Now, remove that, one of those a- boobs. <laughs> now, we're at what we call boob classic. Just two. <laughs> <laughs> Three boobs. Why that would imprint my brain early as a child and stay with me forever. Great. It's what what we call a stupid fetish. <laughs> stupid <laughs> yeah. perversion. Oh, that's right. Uh, so anyway, Mila Kunis. It is uh, one of is she. Uh, you keep saying Kunis. Oh, is it Kunis? I don't know. Cuneiform. <laughs> I'm just Mila saying, Cuneiform. I always thought it was Mila Kunis. Uh, I've never met her. She's never told me what her name is. Okay. Mm-hmm. Anyway, Mila she Jovovich. Delightful. She's Maybe li- there's a YouTube video of her saying her name somewhere. She's living her life as a janitor. She And uh, she uses the fake name of one of her clients, who's also a friend of hers, who we see in her underpants, mm-hmm. uh, to... <laughs> That's the most memorable thing about it. <laughs> <laughs> to make a plan to sell her eggs to make money to buy a telescope like her dad once had. Uh the, but when she's at this person's house hiding in the closet, a bunch of aliens come along and mm-hmm. try to 
try to kidnap that woman, and she takes a picture of it, and then they zap her with an amnesia ray, and she wakes up. Yeah, and it's fine. They MIB her. She goes that to. Was, I gotta say that's like the funniest bit in the movie. Is, when she just where starts she, like, taking a picture. Yeah, she sees aliens uh, attacking her friend, and her immediate reaction is to hold up her iPhone and try and snap a shot. It would be funny if she's trying to take a selfie, <laughs> where no. she's like making a duck face and <laughs> with these aliens <laughs> the behind aliens. her. So she goes to the clinic where she's going to sell the eggs, and turns out, uh oh, it's a front. It's a front for the aliens that were trying to get to her when they were going after that other woman. Luckily, she's saved. By a little guy named Channing Tatum, a.k.a. Kane Wise, mm-hmm. a dog man. Oh, did we mention Mila Kunis' character name is Jupiter Jones? Some kind of outer space black exploitation. By the way, as far as I'm concerned, there's one Jupiter Jones, and he's the head of the three investigators, along with uh, Pete Crenshaw and Bob Andrews. Now, if you don't know the three, three investigators, imagine the Hardy Boys, but imagine that they're imprinted by, uh, that, that they are uh, a branded... Uh, Alfred Hitchcock Brandon? production. Yeah, Brandon Brand- was involved. <laughs> They're a branded Alfred Hitchcock thing. Like, Alfred Hitchcock slapped his name on a bunch of shit back in the day. Oh, uh, yeah. Alfred mm-hmm. Hitchcock's shit was the premier brand of shit. But uh, if you enjoy... Alfred it- Hitchcock's shuttlecocks. <laughs> if you're... If, if Alfred you're, Hitchcock's hitchhiking thumb extenders. <laughs> if you're an 11-year-old boy, I suggest that you seek out the adventures of the three investigators, the premier boy detectives of my youth. Anyway, Jupiter Jones. That's all. Yep. I'm if you're an 11 year old boy, go to sleep, dude. This show's on way too late for <laughs> and you. It is Wait, inappropriate. It's a podcast. <laughs> what? We're not. We're going out live right now to America. Uh, imagine, imagine the terribleness <laughs> if that was true. It'd be very frightening. Anyway, uh, Jupiter. Is, we've already seen this guy uh, fight a bunch of alien bounty hunters or whatever. Yep. And here's the great thing that is both. Here's when you know this movie is both stupid and. Kind of fun is that the designs for these characters are like if someone was make, was doing a big budget remake of like a crappy like Italian 80s science fiction action movie. Which itself is like a knockoff of like a Star Wars. Of a Star Wars that, where all the bad guys have like eye patches and shoulder pads mm-hmm. and like are all like, hey, <laughs> oh, hey, hey. And uh, – there's like well, that's a good impression ooh. of someone dubbing sound effects from a time. <laughs> yeah. Like I love that when you're dubbing like an Italian movie, they also have to dub like the non-verbal shit. <laughs> sure, yeah, because they don't know sound was recorded on the set. It's not yeah. like they're dubbing it just for language. Like in Italian, in the, most of the old Italian movies, they didn't record sound on set. No. So that's why even like great Italian movies have shitty voice dubbing in. Them. Oh, that's why even like uh, movies that are in English, like the spaghetti westerns. Yeah, well, see. that's also partly because like. When they're making a lot of spaghetti westerns, not everyone in the cast spoke the same language, mm-hmm. so you'd have to dub half the cast anyway. And their mouths were full of spaghetti that whole time. That's <laughs> <laughs> true. Because they had to carbo load before every shot. It's just yep. the Italian way. Marathon filmmaking, they called it. The, like the director's always like, Mangia, Mangia. <laughs> on every set, Sergio Leone's mama was going around shoving spaghetti into You're Clint Eastwood's so face. Clint Eastwood. <laughs> Clint, you got to eat. You're wasting away. Uh, thanks, Mama Leone. <laughs> uh, I'll finish this, this scene right now. No one makes a marinara like There's you. two kinds of men in this world. Those with loaded guns and those, <coughs> oh, excuse me, who dig. Uh, so, they, but they can't, there's a bunch of battles between these crazy bounty hunters and our male hero of the movie, who is mm-hmm. kind of the Han Solo and Chewbacca combined. Of yeah, the he's he's... 
Barf the Mog. Yeah, his name is Kane Wise, and he is a genetically engineered man-dog soldier. Mm-hmm. He used to have wings, but he lost them because he went crazy and he bit he found somebody. found the cure for wings, but he lost them. <laughs> All right, so. I found the cure for a pizza. <laughs> I found the cure for not flying, but I lost it. <laughs> Nobody found it. No. He got his wings cut off. Okay. Uh, but he now he can fly even better because he's got Red Bull. No, because <laughs> okay. he's got rocket boots. Rocket boots. That's right. Rocket boots. He's got rocket shoes and he uses them all, all the constantly. time. Even when they don't really help him, he's just floating like a, a half an inch above the ground. <laughs> uh, but he's, he'll get. He's gotten. He gets captured like three or four times, and every time they're like, "Fuck it, just give him those. Ro- let him keep his rocket boots." <laughs> keep, it's the same way that. Uh, the first He's lost so much, you know. In the in the first uh, time this, that cold. Spider-Man fought the Vulture in the old comics, they throw him in jail, and at the end there's just a shot of Vulture in jail still in his Vulture costume. It's like, <laughs> take his flying suit away, dudes. What are you doing? Come yeah, he's on. just an old man. Like <laughs> he's, he's totally harmless without his Vulture suit. <laughs> yeah. Come on. But they're always like, hmm, Kane Wise can, is the super best fighter in the universe because he has rocket shoes. Should we... You know, like, impound those? Nah. Leave his mm-hmm. rocket shoes on. I heard those are a myth. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and his special device that he uses to throw on things and it makes holes in them. Yep. Which mm-hmm. I guess you would just call, like, a bomb in real life. But they, you know, these make stupid <laughs> holes. Yeah. Uh, so he's protected, and it turns out he's a former soldier. He's working for Titus Abrasex. Abrasex? Mm-hmm. Abr- Titus Androgynous. Who is the mm-hmm. youngest Kinda. of the three siblings, I guess. Uh, meanwhile, uh, he takes, so he takes milk unit. There's a big space battle in Chicago where mm-hmm. there are spaceship space planes flying around shooting each other, uh, piloted by naked aliens. Mm-hmm. And yeah. these Got shot up like a bunch of, and these space planes, like yeah, have their crazy. wings uh, move around in different sections and are detached and retached. And, uh, this fl- this fight goes on for a long time over the almost totally deserted streets of Chicago. <laughs> this is one of America's biggest cities. There is nobody on the streets. Nothing. And they're blowing up buildings. They're flying low over the streets. You never see people running and going like, ah! It's like Chicago imposed a curfew, a curfew <laughs> right before. This movie takes place in another, in an alternate reality where everyone in Chicago has to be in bed like by 9.30. Yep, they got to get home in time to watch Friends. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe the movie is set during Friends fever, yeah. yeah. Is there anything in the movie that doesn't make it the 90s, aside from her iPhone that she yeah, uses right. to take a picture with? Yeah, no, it's, it's probably the 90s. <laughs> and uh, and also this being a, a Wachowski film, uh, everyone looks like they just came from a rave. Yeah. But uh, which is not to say the design in this is not bad. And there are a bunch of scenes in this with costumes that I would dare say are even Tarsum-ish. No, it's great. It looks that, like, like a, in that they have real interesting designs. Again, like Not the that fifth Tarsum element, designed those customs itself. It was that woman whose name I don't remember. Like the fifth element, it's like a, it looks like a bunch of weird European sci-fi comics. Mm, yeah, which, which like, is a thing I don't real, love. It's real Moebius. I love um, their visuals. Their visuals are fun, even if I can't necessarily like sit down and read that shit. Sure, yeah. You're not that into the the, the history of the Meta Barons, but you sure like looking at them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Everyone, everything looks like uh, Ladron drew it or painted it. Anybody? Ladron James. Nope. Yeah, yeah, Ladron James. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, the uh, comic book artist turned basketball player turned comic book artist because he wasn't that good at basketball. So uh, Channing Tatum takes her to a farm run by Stuart's Sean Bean. Trademark. 
what kind of as his friend Stinger Apini? <laughs> Wait, is that really? Apparently, according to Wikipedia, shit. his I last name is Apini. Stinger, yeah, and he's surrounded by beehives. Wait, you got that's it. what you're talking about, and not his name is Apini. <laughs> it sounds like a bee is stinging his penis. <laughs> Stinger a peenie. <laughs> Maybe that's how he got his name. I don't know. His house is covered in beehives. There's bees everywhere. And Kane and, and Stinger get in a fight because Stinger blames Kane for getting him into trouble and I guess exiling him to Earth. I don't know. But it turns out the bees all obey Melikunis's Jupiter's orders. Turns out that's how they know she's royalty. Why, yeah. why is that? Bees were genetically bee. designed to recognize royalty. <laughs> Oh. Because what other way would you have of recognizing royalty than to hope they wander into a huge bee farm <laughs> and just have a cloud of bees flying around them? Uh, it turns out that they explain a bunch of the bullshit backstory, and uh, it turns out that— I mean, this movie is filled with explaining bullshit backstory. Yes. A lot of times it's delivered by aliens who are totally like, wake up, sheeple. People are stupid. Yeah, We're they're, great. They're very condescending. Or it's delivered by Eddie Redmayne going, talking like this yeah very low like this and then i'm yelling and now i'm back like this. like a meatloaf song like or, yeah, he's like a living he's like a walking space meatloaf or it's delivered by sean bean <laughs> and then it, then it sounds convincing i think that's yeah. in the background of one of the scenes yeah <laughs> uh yeah sean bean actually does a does a pretty good job of delivering the exposition they uh but she gets captured by the bounty hunters. She gets taken to the palace of Kalik, the sister of the siblings, uh, who explains that she is the genetic reincarnation of the mother of the Abrasax kids. Uh, and Abrasax. Wait, did we do that we again? You did that bit already. Wait, hold on. <laughs> we literally we talked about brass What about brass ass? <laughs> Is that a thing? No, uh, not. I mean, there's brass statues that have asses, I'm guessing. This shows how much I forget what we do on the podcast. <laughs> Literally, within the course of one podcast, I forget what we've said already. Yes. Uh, it doesn't help that you've had how many beers? Shut up. Whoa, dude. Take it fucking saying, easy, mom. <laughs> I'm your mother, guys, and I care about you. Mm-hmm. Just because I'm a, I'm a guy who's younger than both of you doesn't mean I'm not your mom. That, that checks out. <laughs> Man or monster. That's what mom sounds for, stands for. <laughs> and I think you're a monster. Oh, man. Anyway, there's a whole bunch of stuff. They, they, she gets rescued by this spaceship that I'm not sure. They're like space police or something. I don't really get why they're helping her out. But it's this spaceship that – and there's – let's get one thing straight. This movie is full of crazy aliens. Mm-hmm. And until they start explaining the backstory, they're just throwing crazy alien designs you have one after the other. There's like these luchador doombot guards, and there's like flying dragon men, there's elephant faces, there's squid faces, there's like rat faces, there's all sorts of crazy stuff. And it's this would be a more fun movie if it was just different aliens walking on screen and just introducing themselves and then leaving, you know? Yeah. Because here in the ship, like they've a got, weird, like like a Saturday Night Live uh, sketch, but yeah. it's just like just aliens, just aliens ringing the doorbell, walking in, saying there's, a line. There's one woman off. who's an alien who just has huge ears. There's yeah. another. There's guy. a bunch of aliens with huge ears. There's, I think there's a race of them. I, but like this, she all, her only alien characteristic is that she has these enormous ears. Mm-hmm. There's. Uh, these guys who have just little bits of metal stuck to their faces. Yep. There's this woman who looks like this Fedka vodka robot. There's yeah. a couple of those. There's there's so much like the designers on this went crazy, and there is no unifying aesthetic whatsoever. There's like 
Some of it looks like it's taking place on in Firefly. Sometimes it looks like it's taking place in like Ender's Game. Yeah. Sometimes it so looks it's like, like it's an take, anime. Sometimes it looks like yeah, an, an anime like uh, Macross or some crap. There's a Robotech. It totally you know? looks like fucking Macross. Like, there's a bunch of Gundams flying around. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I expected the bad guys to blow up the uh, good guys using some kind of. And like, then there's a long pop scene. song weapon thing like in Macross. Yeah, sometimes they they're in Rivendell. Like yeah. there's all sorts of places. And there's a long scene that is explicitly a reference to uh, Brazil because Terry Gilliam literally shows up at the end of it. For no reason. They take her, okay, now they take her to prove that she's a queen and get the title for it, that she's royalty, which is a long sequence that's a satire on bureaucracy. They've got to get all this paperwork all over the place led by some robot, and then it ends with Terry Gilliam literally giving them the title and then she makes a a joke, she makes reference to how they need a 23B stroke 6 that's the right one, right? Yeah. From, uh, form. And it's like, what, like, it's like the, so they hired somebody else to direct the movie for a scene and they brought in someone who's just like super goofy to do it. But the it. thing is, like, we, t- we all talked about how, like, that probably is the most entertaining scene in the movie. It just feels like it's from a different movie. Well, the tone, I wish this movie, the tone of this movie was like, sillier it's a pretty yeah, silly more movie like <laughs> yeah kind of but like the 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 soundtrack is always like ha, 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 ha. and every time you see a planet or a ship or whatever the movie stops for a moment to like because they're like you're gonna be pretty blown away by this <laughs> gaze you're, upon my works audience yeah well that's the thing and, like, and despair <laughs> like it's it, it acts like we've never seen spaceships or robots or whatever in a movie and like we're going to be super blown away by the stuff that we've seen before but also any movie where a dog man is protecting the cleaning lady queen of the universe Named should Jupiter not take Jones. itself this seriously and i think at times they are trying not to take themselves too seriously yeah. like they are aiming i think for the kind of pulp fun that like star wars provides sure but there's still something about them that has to be like cool you know mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. the like uh I think maybe they're trying for the kind of thing they had with like Speed Racer, I guess. Like your daddy's fifth well, that's, I, that's exactly what I was. <laughs> you know? That's exactly what I was about to say, which is like Speed Racer was another movie that was savaged by critics, but I really thought Speed Racer was kind of brilliant in its own way because the thing about Speed Racer is it was just super hyper crazy, like some like they were throwing everything at the screen, and I can understand how that. So were not- the critics. <laughs> I can understand how that... <laughs> Rotten tomatoes, <laughs> sure. shoes. But that's the sort of thing that is not going to work for everybody. Some people are going to be like, this is hyperactive. I don't like it. I'm not into it. But at least it moved. It moved quickly. And this uh, film slows down A number for of such times. long periods of just like people standing and trading but exposition. Even, but even the action sequences are really confusing and not well yeah. choreographed. And a lot of like... When, one of the problems with when your spaceships are always changing shape is like it makes it that much harder to f- see what's going on and figure out what's happening. Mm-hmm. And the effects are so cartoony that like it, the, char- the, the characters just don't look like they're all on the same plane of reality and things like that. Like some effects in it work really well. Some yeah. don't work that well. And unfortunately in the big action sequences, like geography is just thrown right out of the window. You don't know where people are. Suddenly someone will be falling down a hole. Suddenly someone will be exploding. Someone will be flying through a thing and there's something smashing over there. And like you're up too close to really tell what it is. And then like a lizard monster is just watching and not taking part. And then there's like an exploding sun or something like that. And then a thing falls through a grav dome. Like, you know, mm-hmm. it's... No, you're right. I, too too often the action sequences fall into the trap of just like 
forward, 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 not enough setup. So you don't really, you don't really understand the environment that well. Yeah. You don't understand the stakes of it. Now, just to make a long story short, Titus shows up again. He kidnaps uh, Jupiter. He almost tricks her into marrying him because she is gullible. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Dogband comes back and saves her at the last minute. They go and they confront Eddie Redmayne, who was the real big bad. Who uh, and they? Who, no, he. Oh no, that's not what it is. They go back home. Eddie Redmayne has kidnapped uh, her family. This, the sister just kind of disappears from the movie, yeah. and yeah. Titus disappears from the movie too. I mean, it's like she's got she's gotten out of a bath in her with her butt showing, like her purposes at that point. But it's weird because you'd think mm-hmm. these are these three feuding siblings who, I guess, in theory, would be have like having like Machiavellian schemes against each other. And Jupiter Jones is what they need because she's inherited the Earth because she's the genetic reproduction the meek. of the Queen. Yeah, because they should have named her Ju- <laughs> Meek Jones. Uh, but like. Once she's out of the clutches of one sibling, they don't show up again. It's set up in a very, like, quest style, I guess, where it's just the what. And okay. now the adventure of Kalik's palace. And then there was the adventure of the of the woeful wedding. And mm. now the adventure of the blowing up Jupiter place. <laughs> like, that's, they don't, you want these characters to be, like, double-crossing each other and coming back again, but instead, I, I guess maybe it's a more innocent storytelling structure. But anyway... It's picaresque. Anyway, they go back home. Yeah. it's. Uh, Is he using that right, Elliot? Yeah, basically, yeah, kind of. Like, just going from one place to another. Yeah. Uh, it's an episodic structure. Okay. Eddie Redmayne has kidnapped her family, and he says, give me the title deed to the Earth, or else I'll kill your family. And she knows he wants to harvest the Earth and use it to make youth juice. <laughs> But she totally almost Slam does it. it now. It takes so long for her to realize, like, wait a minute. If my, I save my family, billions of people will die. Like, it takes her a long time to get a this. A shocking amount of time. And maybe, and, like, I want to believe that the character is just being cunning and, like, tricking him into bringing her to where he she wants to be. But, no, it seems like she doesn't realize it until the last <laughs> like, minute. She's just re- now remembering that she watched Star Trek 2 and she's like, oh, the needs of the many outweigh <laughs> the needs of the few. That's what Spock was saying. Or, like, when she's about to marry Titus, like, she agrees to do it really fast. And then she's like, wait a minute. Should I not marry you? Maybe you're not honest. It's She's a very – she's not a, the brightest bulb in the bunch. Yeah. Which is too bad because nor does I know she have rocket boots. She does also. But yep. here's the thing: I know like a real hero. <laughs> this movie has has found a following among like female science fiction fans of a certain type, and it means I wish there was a stronger female character at the heart of it. Because even though it, she's technically the hero, until the end when she is hitting Eddie Redmayne with a pipe while he lies down on the lays down <laughs> yeah. on the, when he's already down yeah. on the ground. Her Mike Hagar moment. Like up to that moment, she's doing a lot of like bumbling into trouble and then Channing Tatum saves her basically. Well, and she like actively pursues Channing Tatum from a very early point in the movie. Well, why not? Come on. She sees him with his shirt off. He's got dog ears. Yeah. She can only assume he's got some kind of weird doggy lipstick penis. He's going to have sex with her in a certain style. That would be horrible. (laughs) She wouldn't be into that. I don't know. She's got one of those stupid perversions. Dogs don't have a corkscrew penis. No, ducks do. It sounds like dogs. Like dog tails. Yeah. (laughs) That's why. uh, It's where it's the the beagle ducks or the duck boys. The duck boys in Beagle Town. (laughs) Okay. Beagleburg. Uh, it's a reverse of DuckTales that I'm working on called Dog Tales. <laughs> yeah. Is that the, the du- opposite of ducks? The, dogs? 
It is according to fucking Carl Barks. I didn't invent it. They're not the opposite. The they coexist. Ducks are mostly good. in harmony. Except for the alliterative, dude. <laughs> They're what? They're alliterative. <laughs> Ducks, dogs. There's a lot. They could. They could have been like the bandit bats, you know, mm-hmm. or something like that. Too hard to draw. What about the thief? Thanatopsises, <laughs> and they're all William Cullen Bryant uh, poems. The stealing st- Studebaker. Studebaker. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but I wish that Milkins. I wish Jupiter Jones was like smarter and stronger, basically. Yeah. And it wasn't so much like, yeah, I'm going to do this. Wait, that was a bad idea. I hope Rocket Boots Dogface comes in. <laughs> But uh, he, And she falls in love with him pretty quick, but he's like, no, no, you're royalty and I'm just a splice. I've been genetically modified. This is terrible. But they get over that pretty quick. <clears throat> anyway, at the end, she's on Jupiter. He comes and saves her by, like, smashing his ship through the dome of the gravity place. Mm-hmm. That makes everything go boom a lot. And there's a big explosions and stuff. And they escape and Eddie Redmayne falls down the pit to mm-hmm. nothingness forever. And at the end of it, They've used alien technology to wipe everyone's memories, except yeah. for Jupiter Jones. She's back to being a humble janitor who's also queen of the Earth. Her family gives her a telescope as a present, and she has managed to get Dogface his wings back. And so... So he's a bird dog. And since he doesn't need wings anymore, guess what he gives to Jupiter Jones? Rocket boots. Rocket boots. Mm, and they fly now over... Now she's sh- a threat. And they, <laughs> they fly over the Chicago skyline... Lovers from Space, which would have yeah. been a better title than Jupiter Ascending. Yeah. So, um, so what did we like about this movie? I liked a lot of the design elements. I yeah. liked the rocket the costumes, boots. Yep. The... I actually don't mind. Like, I kind of like the background. I just felt like they came up with a background and didn't make a movie yes. to go along Yeah, with the that. ideas in the story are good. <laughs> It's they seem like the, a solid foundation for, I don't script. know, a video game series. <laughs> I mean, there's something about... Uh, humanity as like Earth as one outpost of this larger empire where they where they they in their quest for immortality they've lost all sense of morality and they kill millions to keep themselves alive longer yeah. but it's all like they keep talking about it in cap like market capitalist terms but we never see it as a market like that we never see them really like buying or selling the youth trading juice. human futures the only everyone mm-hmm. yeah kind of <laughs> everyone in the movie is either one of these abraxas dynasty brats or works directly for them is or is this one ship of policemen like there's not a it's like they built the pieces of a world but then they didn't fill in the gaps and that's symbolized best for me by the space battle over the empty streets of chicago mm-hmm so let me tell you, I've walked around Chicago at night. There's a ton of people on the streets, mm-hmm. and they are eating uh, meat like nobody's business. Yeah, this braggy guy. Oh, I've walked around the streets of Chicago. <laughs> I at have night. often walked <laughs> like a real big in shot. Chicago town. <laughs> yep. But I've never walked around it alongside a clown. Mm. Going Won't into- you come with me? <laughs> And you'll see a world of pure Chicago nation. <laughs> There'll be blues played with electric guitars. White guys singing happy blues. <laughs> if you want to hear <laughs> shitty blues, <laughs> Chicago is the place to catch it. If you want to eat a dog with a sport pepper. <laughs> <laughs> Hog butcher to the nation. <laughs> City of big shoulders. <laughs> Carl Sandberg, everyone. Yeah, let's hear it from Carl Sandberg, everybody. <laughs> this is this nightclub singer who just quotes Carl Sandberg. 
So uh, I think we're there already. But final judgments: this is a good bad movie, a bad bad movie, Who or a movie. Who would win in a fight between Carl Sandberg and like. Andy Samberg? <laughs> well, Andy Samberg is still living. Is Carl so, Sandberg? He must no. be dead. <laughs> he died a long time ago. Can he? He would be over a hundred years old. <laughs> I was just double checking. <laughs> But I assumed he was dead. Yeah. So I believe Andy Sandberg would take his skeleton and just, you know, just throw it to the ground. Just jump on it, shatter it. It would be a bunch of bone dust. Yeah, Carl Sandberg died in 1967. All right. Yeah, okay. So that's when we wouldn't fight. So final judgments? Uh, yeah. So Andy Sandberg's <laughs> final judgment. <laughs> Andy Sandberg. I give this one four Sandbergs. Uh, Stu, what do you got to say about this movie? Uh, yeah, there's a movie that I wanted to kind of like, and I did not. I think this is a bad, bad movie. Yeah, I, I, I'm with you. I desperately kind of liked it, and there's I even liked a lot of elements I like. There are a lot of elements, fifth elements even, to sure. like in it. Yeah. But it, yeah, it doesn't, doesn't. I would. There's even a lot of like throwaway dialogue where they just make references to shit. But it just it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. I will say, if you took this movie and you cut out most of the plot, and it was just scene after scene of craziness, it would be a better movie. I well, will if say, you just give it a simpler plot with more interesting characters. Yeah, if you don't introduce a flying a race of flying lizard men, uh-huh. and then don't actually show them fighting anybody until the very end of the movie. But there's little touches in it, like the bad guy, Eddie Redmayne, has this torture bed that's just like a ton of little spinning knives and things that come <laughs> at your face, like some kind of evil dentist chair. Like, if there's more stuff like that. Yeah, well, you said like it was like the, that over the, the suicide uh, booth this, from Futurama. Yeah, it's like, I wish it was more over the, it feels like they wanted to make a really over the top science fiction movie, but they kept like reining it in for fear that it would seem too silly. And I wish they'd embrace the silly of it more. Yeah, this could have been a really great silly sci-fi movie, and they just—I'll say this the ball. for me: this this hovers around good, bad territory, but not quite. I listen to Bullseye for the moment when Jesse asks an artist an insightful question, and the artist goes, "Oh, huh," and pauses, and you can hear in the pause that he is reassessing his own work in light of the question that Jesse just asked. Bullseye's your guide to what's good from MaximumFun.org and NPR. Uh, this episode of The Flop House is sponsored in part by Squarespace. By the Blu-ray release of Jupiter Ascending. Uh-oh. <laughs> Squarespace. Uh, yeah, The Flop House is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one website platform Squarespace sites look professionally designed, regardless of your skill level, with no coding required. You now, do not need to know HTML. That's convenient, because I'm probably going to use Squarespace when I set up the web page for my new bar that's coming out. Oh. Double plug. Double plug. The <laughs> official <laughs> website creation place of, of Stuart Wellington's bar. The Hinterlands. Hey, spoiler alert. Uh, you can start your free <laughs> trial today with no credit card required at Spare... <laughs> wow. wow! Wow! Mess up the name of the sponsor, Dan. Let's Squarespace. Yeah, let's take that. Because spare squace is a word. <laughs> let's let's think about hey, it. Do you have any well, spare squace? Hey guys, do you have too much squace lying around and you want to donate to a good cause? Go to spare squace. But hey guys, I forgot my squace at home. Uh, <laughs> and we're about to go into battle against these lizard aliens. And Can the, you the spare only some? the only weakness is Valer- Valerian squace. <laughs> 
<laughs> Valerian squeeze, the rarest. Uh, let's rewind a little. Let's rewind. <laughs> let's put another rind on this. Because I assume it's some kind of melon or perhaps a cheese. <laughs> you can start your free trial today. At with, Squarespace. <laughs> with no credit card required. So let me get this straight. I don't need to know how to code and I don't need a credit card. No, and I can neither. still set up a website? Yeah, at Squarespace.com. And you can use the offer code FLOP to get 10% off your first purchase. Squarespace, build it beautiful. So I um, like to believe that their slogan is, build it beautiful. Like, come up beautiful. <laughs> build it beautiful. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Humphrey Bogart says it. Squarespace, beautiful, build it. Uh, but uh, this episode of Flop House is also supported in part by... How are we going to mangle this one? Casper. An online retailer. A ghost who's your friend. <laughs> An online retailer of premium, obsessively engineered mattresses for a fraction of the price. And I appreciate that because I've bought... <laughs> you like doing it on mattresses. No, I've bought mattresses before. As opposed to cardboard boxes. <laughs> mattresses. Hey, dude, sometimes you have to. <laughs> mattresses are not cheap, my friend. Mattresses are no. not cheap, and it's easy to get a bad one if you don't know where you're going. So, uh, try Casper, which has a risk-free trial and return policy. You can try sleeping on a Casper for 100 days with free delivery and painless returns. Flophouse listeners can get $50 toward any mattress purchase. You can go to casper.com slash flop and use promo code flop at checkout. Terms and conditions apply, you know, like they do. Here's what mm-hmm. I want. All Most the offers, flop- terms no, usually, and conditions yeah, apply. apply. Here's what I want the Flophouse fans to do. One, Go to Casper, get a new mattress. Two, yeah. go to Squarespace, set up a website about your new great mattress. Treat yourself. Yeah. Three, also put some Flophouse stuff on that website. Mm-hmm. Four, get a Casper mattress for someone you love. True. Five, set up a new website. Use Squarespace. Six? What's six? Uh, repeat. Buy a ticket to see Stupid Perversions coming this fall. <laughs> uh, so, now we move on. To what? To a very popular segment of this podcast. Recommendations. <laughs> no. <laughs> That's you the always, least popular one. You always skip ahead. Uh, it's letters from listeners. Hey, Stuart. Oh, boy. Don't skip so fast. Hey, Stuart. Elliot. Let's make it last. Hey, Stuart. Elliot. It's letter time. Letter time for us. It's our time for letters, our time to read them, our time to need them, our time to need them with a K this time, like dough. Oh no, the letters, here they go, from Dan's mouth to your house. Uh, Also, other things that rhyme with that. In so many episodes, it's the first time I've seen Elliot struggle for a rhyme. Yeah. Even well, like usually it, I rhyme the same exact words. I went off the a, reservation. Even the an problem. internal rhyme, usually he has, mm-hmm. but this time. And Texas and taxes, Kaylin over here. <laughs> mm-hmm. Maybe so, I want to do some free verse songs. Yeah. This is more of a letter song slam. Look, if the guy in the luminaires can rhyme canal and Chinatown, yeah. I can do whatever. Yeah, if if Madonna can rhyme, come on, come on, let's get to it. Strike a pose, there's nothing to it. Vogue. I think that you can do whatever the fuck you want at that point. <laughs> yeah. yeah, she broke that's songwriting. What, that's what my poetry teacher told me. <laughs> <laughs> Madonna really opened the door. Yeah. Um, Letter number oh, one. Boy. 
Time to have some fun with letter number one. Letter number one. We're almost done with the song about letter number one for you and you and you. It's the first, the best, or the worst. It's first. Okay. Letter number one. Break it down now. Letter number one. Letter number one. Okay, fellas, here it goes. Letter number one. Let's keep on our toes. Let's get things done. Letter number one. Break down over. Back to the regular song. And here's the bridge. Gotta check my phone. Checking your phone. Let out a moan. We're all grown up. Letter number one. Oh, okay, it's done. All right. Um, Tons of fun. Oh, Jesus. Number one. Numero it. uno. Normally uh, I'm faking being annoyed, but now. Anyway. It's really. Take it easy, dude. All right. Let's go into the first letter. Hey, relax. <laughs> A bra sex. <laughs> this is from Henry, last name withheld. Portrait of a serial killer is his last name. <laughs> I was listening to my favorite podcast, The Flophouse, when I was struck with Thanks, an idea. Henry. The hosts are so talented. And the show's oh, premise. Shucks. I'm blushing. The show's premise so compelling yeah. that the show should, nay, must be adapted to the medium to which the flop house has devoted itself. I present to you, Zork? Flop House, the Broadway musical. Oh no! The curtains open on Dan alone in his squalid tenement apartment. <laughs> Dan alone. This awful movie will never end. If only I could watch it with my only friends. A hip-hop beat kicks in. (laughs) And Stu and Elliot rappel down onto the couch while spitting rhymes. Now I'm very busy and I don't have time to write the rest. (laughs) I'll let you guys take care of the details and wrap it up. I think that's how Stephen Sondheim does his shows. (laughs) Attend the tale of Sweeney Todd and then there's some more after that. (laughs) Et cetera. We'll split the money 60-40, and you can divvy up your 40% however you like. <laughs> Wait, whoa, whoa, hold on a second. <laughs> you should probably give Elliot less, since she's smaller and doesn't need to eat as much. Sincerely, Henry Lester. Yeah, that's it's terrifying. You've seen him devour a Popeye's dinner. Uh, imagine a velociraptor. <laughs> sure. Imagine a, 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 veloc- for chicken. a velociraptor who has forgotten his table manners. Uh, and maybe you. he was hit on the head with a brick. That's me eating chicken. Yeah. I, I, I like this idea. Flop! Exclamation point. Yeah. On Broadway. Yeah. Starring, I don't know. A tits up, toes tapping review. Um, who? who? Who's going to play you, Dan? Yeah, who it stars? Well, uh, Michael Cerveris. Dwayne The Rock Johnson, who do you think? I'm guessing for you, uh, Michael Cerveris. Leo, Norbert Leo Butts. Actually, you know, it would be Norbert Leo Butts. For Stu, I'm getting, thinking Hugh Jackman. Okay, yeah, Hugh I think that's a Jackman. <laughs> and for me... Uh, Wallace Shawn should be available. Wow. <laughs> wow. Not even a musical performer. Um, I'm going to say, uh, who's the lead singer of uh, some band? Who could make his Broadway debut? Band? You know? <laughs> what yeah. the fuck? Oh, so you're, what you're saying is that you would have to be played by a guy who's famous in other things and that he would bring a non-Broadway crowd to the flop exactly. show. Exactly. That's okay, what I'm that saying. Okay, that makes sense. I, guess, mm-hmm. I guess Hugh Jackman does So like that. Uh, one of those Hootie and the blow sh- Blowfish fellows. Yeah. <laughs> blow shits. <laughs> <laughs> Hootie and the Blowfish. That was their original name. <laughs> and playing me, the entire band, Hootie and the Blowfish. <laughs> one of those uh, John Poppers. Yeah, playing me John <laughs> Poppers harmonica. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, so this next letter. No, no, I would be played by a kid. Everyone knows that. Yeah, you, mm-hmm. you could be played by Jake that. Lloyd. Is Jake Lloyd available? Jake Lloyd was just arrested, wasn't <laughs> he? Be, you'll like, be played. A kid can get arrested. <laughs> no, he's a grown man. I now. watch Problem Child. <laughs> you're played. <laughs> you're played by that that fun house, fun home kid. Even though she's a lady. I I could totally be played by a lady. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, well, it's gender blank casting. Gender uh, blank casting. Yeah, fill in the blank with the gender. <laughs> Junior blank casting. Dear Robert J. Floppenheimers. J. Robert Floppenheimers. Supplos, if you will. Dan, I think, is it time for you to hand over the letter reading duties? (laughs) I think that... Ten strikes and you're out, Elliot. (laughs) I think that the joy that you get from this sort of thing says no, it's not. Now I'm starting to worry about your health. I said... I went through the whole first letter, which is very long. That's true. Without That's true. any, who could read two you didn't letters? You have to in a rewrite row. it all. <laughs> Suppose a deranged millionaire offered you each seven thousand dollars to write a screenplay. That's for- not very much. <laughs> 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 I'm a deranged millionaire, but I'm also a cheapskate. <laughs> Weirdly lucid about my finances. <laughs> a Scro- it's a Scrooge McDuck figure. Doesn't want to pay uh, too much. Uh, suppose a deranged millionaire offered you each $7,000 to write a screenplay for a sports movie. <laughs> Mary Floppin's Steve last name withheld. So I think that we were supposed to Suppose wait, spin oh, There's out, no question there. <laughs> spin out, as non-sports people, what our sports movie might be. Well, mine would be about curling, because oh, I did it once. stole it. Stole it from what? Have <laughs> no. you ever curled? No, but I... Wait, you were going to say curling? Yeah. Oh, weird. Well, as someone who has curled, I'm going to take it, and it would be called Curl It Up. Mm-hmm. And it would be about... It's basically Major League, but for curling, right? No, it's Step Up, but for curling. Oh. So there's like a girl who's like a real prissy curler, and then there's a ki- a guy from the streets curling, and they have to get together to do a curling team that wins. Yeah. Now, I remember that when I was in... Uh... Little League, the big attraction. The kids' version of Major League. Yeah. The big attraction <laughs> for me uh, as a uh, a junior baseball player. By the way, my specialty was getting walked. <laughs> because okay. I I knew that no one at that age was a good pitcher. So I'm just like, I'm just going to stand here and I am going to get walked. I'm just going to stand and right in front of the catcher. It worked every time. Um. So uh, my, the main attraction for me. I like to me, think you were really cocky about it as a kid too. You'd get hit and you'd walk and you'd be like, or like I mean, that's a different throw, thing. Getting hit. Throw, yeah, he wasn't they, getting hit by the pitch. I wasn't leaning in. No, I like it's funnier to me if you lean in and get right. hit. Or you or they th- they throw four balls and you'd walk and then you'd just be like doing finger guns at the pitcher, <laughs> yep. just like woo. woo! The, the opposing team coach is like, oh shit. <laughs> he figured out our weakness that we're kids and we're not good yeah. at this. I was like. Good job, belly itcher. Now I'm on first base. <laughs> Only th- three more bases to go. <laughs> One quarter of the way home. Yeah, so, uh, I, you know it what? It represents the cycles of life in rural America, idiot. <laughs> hey, Mom, get dinner ready. I'm home soon. You know, the story was going to go somewhere else, but uh, now that I'm I'm talking about it, I realize that it's a better sports movie. It's about a guy <laughs> who just specializes in getting walked. <laughs> That's yeah, Walker, Texas baseball player. Yeah. <laughs> what, what was the story you were going to tell? No, I was just going to say that the main attraction to me 
in playing Little League was after every game, win or lose, we would go get snow cones. <laughs> so, I mean, you could skip wow, out the middle wow, of the The blandest of the frozen desserts. <laughs> like when you're a kid, when you're a kid, snow cones are magic. It's like every, one step up from like just really cold orange slices. Yeah. After, after every game, the coach would give us a handful yeah, of like, ice it's chips. It's like a sherbet or something. Who cares? <laughs> cool yourself down, kids. <laughs> <laughs> you got all hot and bothered. Put it in your mouth, rub it on your face. I don't care. After every game, the coach would let us stick our heads in his freezer for a couple seconds. <laughs> and oh man, was it cool. <laughs> no, but I was I was gonna say that my sports movie would be about a lonely, a lonely <laughs> snow cone <laughs> vendor who finds love. <laughs> that was that a sports movie. <laughs> I mean, it's ancillary to sports. <laughs> <laughs> What do you got, Stuart? Uh, After every I gonna... game, he'd give us a pretzel. <laughs> to split between all of us. I mean, uh, I was just going to do something about a topless beach volleyball team. <laughs> well, that's a great idea for a movie. <laughs> that's a movie. <laughs> all right. What so... would you call it? Bikini uh, ball? Volleyball bikinis? <laughs> I guess topless bikini volleyball. Uh, I think it would be spike exclamation point. <laughs> There's boobies. <laughs> There's movies. So there's movies part of the title, or that's what it says on the box. Like it's called Spike in it, and that's then the and then the slogan is "There's movies." You gotta tell the I think video renters. Right. Oh, that's why I need for. you around, Ellie. You gotta you jazz up my shit. Yeah, he jazzes up your shit. So uh, this next letter, hey, it's the poops you don't poop. That's the secret to jazz. This next letter. Is titled Elliot is an idiot. <laughs> I take issue Thanks, already. David. <laughs> Sorry if this is late, but I just wanted to say that Elliot Kalen is a moron. He can't tell the difference between old world monkeys and new world monkeys. How's this for a clue, fuckface? <laughs> <laughs> earned very well earned. Old world monkeys don't have prehensile tails, and new world monkeys do. <laughs> also, old world monkeys live in Africa, and new world monkeys don't. Jesus, it's like he hasn't well, I even... I know the difference between the old world and the new world. <laughs> it's like he hasn't even dedicated his life to the intricacies of anthropology. In conclusion, Elliot sucks, Dan rules, Stuart drools, but in a sexy way, so it evens out. Yours in the eternal wait, wait brotherhood of Dan heads, Darth Conan. <laughs> How's that? So, that guy, wait, so I, that guy has earned his snow cone after that bird. Now, yeah, yeah. I hope the coach took him out for, for it, for an Italian ice after that one. Now, here's the thing. I thought anthropology was the study of human civilizations. Oh, boy. Past. Darth Conan, you got burned. Maybe I'm wrong, and maybe it's the study of all apes or primates or what have you. Prime apes. And also, old world monkeys yep, can live hilarious. in Europe. They can live Prime in Asia. Apes. <laughs> so it's uh, not even a pun because <laughs> apes are already primates. <laughs> Whatever, idiot! You don't know the difference between different types of monkeys. I'm oh, gonna man. have to side with a letter writer on this one. <laughs> <laughs> I'll allow it. So uh, this last letter, oh, the final letter, it goes like this. I feel like I must preface this letter nope. by saying that I'm neither a friend of Mads Mikkelsen nor a drunken horse trainer, so I hope this letter does not immediately disappoint. I'm a writer, which means I work from home while caring for my two sons, three years old and 18 months. For a time, the youngest would only sleep when in the car. As a result, we took a lot of long car rides, and I entertained myself by listening to podcasts. 
Yours is one of my favorites. Thanks, buddy. Thanks. The other day, my oldest boy was humming a song and randomly shouted, This is my favorite song. I assumed he meant a Bob Dylan tune. It's a current obsession of his. Yeah, kids love Bob Dylan. Or oh, he does of, like Bob Dylan? Yeah, apparently. Or one of the many... <laughs> I, what's the... I, I, uh, never mind. I was trying to think of a specific band. I couldn't. Or one of the many nursery... I assumed he meant CNC Music Factory. <laughs> I assumed he meant the Miami Sound Machine. <laughs> Uh, or one of the many nursery rhymes we listened to together. But no, when I asked which song, he excitedly answered, The Letter Song. And yes, <laughs> your podcast was playing at the time. This means two things. Number one... I've ruined his taste of music forever. I can no longer listen to your podcast with my three-year-old around, as I do not want him telling his friends about the great ding-dong ripping scene in <laughs> Castle Freak. Though, as yeah, because he doesn't want those kids to find. Oh, sorry, to, no, you don't learn that on the streets to the playground. You learn it yeah, by exactly. watching Castle Freak. Though, as I write primarily horror fiction, I'm sure he will eventually find Stuart Gordon's oeuvre on his own when he's much older. And number two, Elliot is a better We're singer. We're getting little snippets of this guy's life. <laughs> Elliot is a better singer than you give him credit for. That's Thank a good you. writer, by the way. Slowly teasing it out. Mm-hmm. Elliot, any plans to record an album? I think you would be a hit in the toddler age group. Thanks for a great podcast. Keep them coming. Lisa, last name withheld. Wow, a real push-pull for you, this uh, letters column. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, that's been an emotional well, roller coaster. You break them down and then you build them back yeah, up. Yeah, yeah, it's a regular full metal jacket or something. The uh, I will say, my son likes it when I sing to him, but I don't make up songs for him, and I should be doing that I more. mean, you're his dad. <laughs> if he doesn't like it, then I feel like there's a, there's a real serious problem. I don't want wow. my dad singing to me. <laughs> You're not a babe. You're not a little. Uh, I've been called a babe, but uh, but I don't. I need to make up more songs for him because right now I mostly sing, uh, you know, little kid songs. Or <laughs> right also, now you mostly sing Danzig, which is not. Yeah, yeah, mother. Mm-hmm. And he goes, Mama, and I'm like, It's not. Take it easy, come kid. on, kid. Don't don't step on my song here. But mostly I've been singing him lately, uh, Leatherwing Bat, the uh, English folk song, or I guess maybe it's an American folk song. That uh, Peter and Paul and Mary have on their kids' album. It's about a bat, I assume. Uh, it's about a, va- a variety of different animals who tell you how uh, how lost loves have made them what they are today. All right, but he likes it a lot. The song I sing while I'm changing his diapers to keep him from putting his hand in his own poop. Did so, you sing that song about how Charlie gets stuck on the MTA. Yeah, we do actually. That's yeah, a good song. We do sing on that a lot. Kid songs. Yeah, Am great right? stuff. Yeah. <laughs> They grow up so fast. Mm-hmm. Which songs do we sing him? Uh, oh, and Fuck Like a Beast. Yeah, yeah, that's it. <laughs> so uh, those have been letters from listeners. Oh, man, like they're you. done? Okay. If you write a letter, maybe you're one of them. I don't know. One of your maybe don't one corner of the letters? <laughs> Fuck off, guy. Wow, this, nobody Whoa. said anything. Dan, calm down. The guy's gone. Dan, put the down that gone. broken bottle. <laughs> Look, just his letters. car's gone. Just, just get worked up, all right? <laughs> I don't want anybody looking at me funny. I heard I heard he left town, Dan, from the local okay. sheriff. <laughs> All right. So she's the sheriff. <laughs> yeah, I shot the sheriff. <laughs> really? That's why that guy's bugging you about letters. I left then. the jet. I left the dep- deputy alone. Oh, okay. Yeah, like, you couldn't pronounce it. <laughs> yeah, I was like, uh, I can't pronounce it. Not worth wasting a bullet on. <laughs> um. So this is the part of the podcast where we recommend. Movies that we actually liked. Okay. Unlike Jupiter Ascending. Okay. What do you got, Stuart? 
I'm going to recommend a movie I swore I, swore I recommend on an earlier podcast. <laughs> I swore I would never recommend. <laughs> or God, strike me dead. Sure. Long time recommender. First time recommending this movie. Anyway, it's called The Big Chill. <laughs> so I'm, uh, there's a lot of, lot of buzz out there about a horror movie starring one of those duplasses called Creep. So I'm going to recommend Based on the TLC song. I got excited when I heard that because I thought they were talking about an older movie from 2004 called Creep, which I liked a lot. And I swore I recommended it, but I haven't. So I'm going to recommend it anyway. So not the Duplass one. No, I haven't watched that yet, but I want to. Uh, the one I'm recommending is called Creep. It's directed by Christopher Smith, the guy who directed uh, previous recommendation uh, Black Death. Uh, which one? And Severance. Severance, sorry. Uh, Black Death was the movie also starring the Bean Machine. Oh, right. Yeah. Sean Bean. <laughs> the Bean Machine. <laughs> uh, and it is a uh, Creep is a movie where Franke Potente uh, <laughs> gets uh, harassed and stalked in the. By a creep. In the subway. In the subway. By uh, what seems like a normal creep. And then that normal creep totally gets murdered by an actual super underground creep. Oh, And the movie alert. is kind of like, don't worry about it. You, you're watching a movie called Creep and there's a bloody subway car in it. You know it's going to be terrible. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's kind of like uh, the movie that I wish uh, Midnight Meat Train had been if it huh. hadn't had all the shitty CGI blood. Um, I got to say, I kind of enjoy Midnight Meat Train. That's kind of a fun movie. Yeah. It's all right. Um, it's not as good as Creep, so go no, watch Creep. it's not as good as Creep, but... It does not live up to the title Midnight Meat Train, which is a fantastic title. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, there's a band called the Exploding Eye Orchestra. <laughs> it's not... They're not as good as their name. I mean, we saw the trailer for Midnight Meat Train together. With, yeah, before another before movie. Before Rambo, I think. Yeah. I forget which one or of us was on like... Snakes on a Train or something? <laughs> it was like... Snakes on a Train my penis. <laughs> We may both have said that. <laughs> Midnight um, meat train. Yeah, I think that might have been parallel thinking, <laughs> <laughs> parallel joke. Uh, I'm going to recommend um, two movies that you should watch instead of uh, Jupiter Ascending. If you want campy space operas, why not make it a double feature of uh, Flash Gordon and Barbarella? Those are much more fun campy like space operas. You don't like Barbarella? Yeah, it's uh, all that stuff with the dolls that are trying to bite her skin off. I don't like That's that. genuinely terrifying. Yeah, it's too scary. Uh, so Elliot's a wuss, but <laughs> the point is... Call me wuss. If you want... So there's something about the sea that commands wusses to go to it. Uh, there's just, my book, Moby Wuss. There's just something really fun about, uh, you know, Flash Gordon takes the same uh, old-time space opera stuff that... Uh, George Lucas uh, turned into Star Wars, but takes it more literally since Flash Gordon was an old old property. And, you know, it's got a Flophouse connection since we all wrote a Flash Gordon comic. but uh, Which is, has recently been collected, so go buy an that omnibus. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but uh, it's actually got a great performance by Brian Blessed in the middle of it. Sure. Oh, and uh, if you want, like, a weirdly sexy, uh, campy space... Uh, opera. Why don't you see Barbarella? It's not weirdly sexy at all. It's just normal sexy. Weirdly sexy about it. Jane Fonda's just taking her clothes off all the time in it and having sex with people. Well, but also like they put her in like an or- orgasmatron where someone plays the piano and she has an orgasm as a result of it. Stuart shaking his head is like totally Seems normal. Totally sex. normal to me. I That's the way say, I have sex every <laughs> night. I thought you were gonna say make it a double feature: Flesh Gordon and Flesh Gordon Two. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but for my money. 
uh, more fun, stupid science fiction movies. Elliot? I will also recommend the movie that is kind of like what I wish Jupiter Ascending was, which is also a stupid science fiction movie that is campy at much of the time. Uh, this is a movie called The Visitor, uh, which listeners of the Doug Loves Movies episodes that I was on uh, may remember me talking about. It's from 1979, and through the whole movie while I was watching it, I was like, this feels like a science fiction giallo movie, except it's got it's set in the United States and it's got an all-American cast, and the cast is like John Huston and Mel Ferrer and Glenn Ford and Shelley Winters and uh, – and Lance Henriksen, like there, it's all the it's this weird cast full of people, and it's a movie about a there's a oh and uh, Franco Nero appears in it as some kind of space Jesus, and nope. they explain that uh, <clears throat> Satan is an evil alien who was turned into a flock of birds and has scattered his descendants around the earth, and now the newest one who has his power is this evil little girl who this secret. Conspiracy is trying to give her a brother, and she is both evil, but at times is also just kind of a girl and uh, mm-hmm. doing wants to do girl stuff like go ice skating. And uh, there's this, and the whole time I was like, this feels like an Italian movie. And it turns out everyone behind the scenes who made it was Italian. Yeah. But uh, it's got this weird, it keeps hovering back and forth between good, bad movie and movie I kind of like, where there's a bunch of really goofy scenes, and there's a lot of it doesn't make sense. But then there are scenes that are, like, really ominous in a powerful way. And the soundtrack is awesome. The, the soundtrack score is, is great. great in it. And there are a lot of beautiful shots in it. There's this scene where there's an evil truck that's about to kidnap her mom that, like, oh, well, like there's... maximum overdrive. Uh, kind of, except mm-hmm. the truck is full of bad people. The truck itself uh, is... I'm sorry, the truck itself is... Doesn't has have no, a goblin has face. no morality. <laughs> but, uh, and she is wearing sunglasses in the, in the back seat, this girl, purely so that the truck's headlights can be reflected just in one lens of the sunglasses as if she's projecting this evil force out of her eye in the form of this truck. And, like, it's a beautifully shot scene and like the shooting in it is gorgeous a lot of the time but then you also have Shelley Winters as this maid character who works for John Huston who is this alien god type figure who just kind of walks around all the time John Huston's great in that movie <laughs> he spends most of the movie just walking around <laughs> and looking at things and Shelley Winters just slaps the girl at one point like it's super campy but yeah the music is great in it and there's a bu- there's a scene set at an ice skating rink where she just kind of casually commits mayhem for no reason just because, why not? She's a kid, and there was something very strong about it. There's almost no dialogue in the scene. So The Visitor, it's a weird movie. You're going to laugh at it, and other times you'll be like, oh, that was neat. Seward, it sounded like you've seen this movie. Yeah, I may have. I can't remember if I recommended it, but a Flophouse listener actually, uh, I, I, I don't remember the, the listener's name offhand, but apologies was kind enough to say apologies, listener. please. Uh, was kind enough to leave a copy of the Blu-ray at uh, at Charlene's for me. Oh, and whoa. And I have watched it a couple times. And see, and I had to record it off Turner Classic Movies like a summer. Oh, it's great on Blu-ray, dude. It's available, I believe, on Amazon Prime right now, actually. So oh, okay. You can check it out. It's not going to be as crisp, though. You want it crisp. Mm-hmm. Like a fresh like newspaper. An apple. Like an apple in the yeah, fall. Yeah, well, a pink lady apple. <laughs> I should also mention that Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and Sam Peckinpah make cameos. Except Sam Peckinpah, all of his dialogue had to be re-recorded because he was super drunk. Mm-hmm. Like me. Anyway. 
Moving on to the uh, final segment of the, the podcast, which is saying goodbye. Okay. <laughs> yeah, wait, I thought recommendations was the final segment. So uh, uh, saying goodbye, why is it sad, makes us remember the good times we had. Muppets Take Manhattan. Yeah. When did the Muppets take How Manhattan? How come when Elliot sings a song, he doesn't explain where the song he just sung is Because it's just because coming made from up bullshit inside my head. Wait, he's been making those songs <laughs> up all along? I thought those were uh, Brill Building songs. <laughs> the old Tin Pan Alley stuff. Uh, for the Flophouse, I've been Dan McCoy. Hey, you know me. I'm Stuart Washington. <laughs> yeah, he's hey, down with OPP. Hey, girl. It's Elliot Kalen saying goodbye. Good night, everyone. <laughs> Explosion. Jupiter ascended. What kind of stuff do we have to do tonight? Podcast. Do you, Dan, did you remember to download those ads? And what about the letters? Did you download those ads? Stuart got... Uh, possessed by the ghost of not dead singer Meatloaf. <laughs> that is no, more of a Bob Seger like thing. Dan's got the ads to download and he's gonna read them. And read them right here for now. Cause he's got- That's Meatloaf. <laughs> yeah. You start real slow and then you go back like this for no reason and then you're back to slow again. <laughs> That's Meatloaf. I was doing that in lunch. No, it, that was a ago. treat loaf. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> a treat Williams, if you will. <laughs> I won't. <laughs> He can stay in my movie box and not in my room. <laughs> what? <laughs> if Trey Williams was in my room, then I would be too distracted to do anything else. Yeah, you'd want to be making out with him, or I mean, you just wonder why he's Maybe. there. I'd be like, shouldn't you be substituting somebody? <laughs> Three. We oh, should mention the rocket shoes. Two. Wait, no. I, <laughs> yeah, we, we're we not gonna write the rocket <laughs> shoes. We're gonna get through this whole thing tonight. We watch yeah, Rocket be, Shoes the movie. We'll be walking home and be like, Doy. We forgot to talk about them rocket boots. Hello, buddies. I'm Travis McRoy. And I'm Andy Bolt. And we're the hosts of Bunker Buddies. We're a podcast where we're amateur survivalists and we talk about things like the apocalypse. And we talk about zombies and preparedness. What are you going to wear when it's the apocalypse? And you have no idea if you don't listen to our show. It comes out every Wednesdays on MaximumFun.org and on iTunes. Sometimes we try weird foods or we talk about where to camp or how to avoid getting eaten or any of these things. Yeah, so listen to us because it might just save your life. We'll see you in the bunker. Bye!